said the Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Amen. Incredible job, choir. Beautiful. Amen. What a great atmosphere is in the house. So good to see everyone tonight. We have been in service the last couple of nights. Some of you, this is your first night here for the rally, and it's so good to have you. Amen. We have seen God do some great things, but tonight is another night, and God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or even think. Hello, somebody. I've got a big imagination, and I know some of y'all do too. God can go beyond that. How many want God to speak to us tonight? You want God to come down and speak to you individually. Amen. Amen. I uh, woke early this morning, began to just spend my time in the morning like I usually do, and just in study and reading, devotion and prayer. I asked God specifically for him to just be with us tonight in a, in a unique yet powerful way. Amen. I want to say again how much I've enjoyed the opportunity to be here. To all youth pastors, pastors that are here today, thank you for your investment in young people. Amen. There is nothing greater than an investment into this generation. And someone say amen. Praise God. Praise God. If you have your Bible tonight, I would like to direct your attention to Genesis chapter 11. We're going to begin reading in verse 27, and then we're going to slide into chapter 12. Amen. I give honor to Pastor and Sister Bland tonight. Love and appreciate you much. Thank you for the opportunity. Amen. And right before uh, I stepped up here to preach, my daughter showed up from Bible college. So I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm extra happy right now. Amen. She's here. My wife's been with me the last few nights. Amen. I want to say something. I know we got a bunch of different people here, but I want to say something to Storm Youth. You guys are incredible. I think we ought to give you a hand. Give yourself a hand. You've been tremendous young people. And uh, I left here each night very impressed just with your spirit, your hunger, your passion, your desire to see God do something in your life. And I believe all of us tonight, no matter what youth group you are from, where you have driven from, God has something special for you and your youth group tonight. And I want us to open our hearts to what he has. Verse 27 of Genesis 11 says this, Now these are the generations of Terah. Terah beget Abram, Noram, and Haran. And Haran beget Lot. And Haran died before his father Terah in the land of his nativity in the year of the Chaldees. And Abram and Nahor took them wives. The name of Abram's wife was Sarai. The name of Naor's wife was Milcah, the daughter of Haran, the father of Milcah, and the father of Iscah. But Sarai was barren. She had no child. And Terah took Abram, his son, and Lot, the son of Haran, his son's son, and Sarai, his daughter-in-law, his son Abram's wife. And they went forth with him from the earth of the Chaldees to go into the land of Canaan. And they came into Haran and dwelt there in the days of Terah were 205 years. And Terah died in Haran. Go to verse or chapter 12, now the Lord said unto Abram, get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred, from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great 
nation, and I will bless thee. I make thy name great. Thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and I will curse him that curseth thee. And in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken unto him, and Lot went with him. And Abram was 75 years old when he departed out of Haran. For the next little while, I just want to preach to this generation this thought, the generational call of God. The generational call of God. Can we clap our hands one more time to the Lord and just give him thanks? What a great God we serve. Thank you for your presence, Father. Do a work in this house, I ask Jesus. Praise God. Amen. You may be seated. Over the last few nights, I have tried my best to preach to each of the students that have been here how all of us are created by God, uniquely fashioned and crafted by a creator that is so intent on our lives being lived out for his divine purpose. I understand that it is often difficult for us to wrap our minds around that truth because of the multitude of mistakes and failures and inconsistencies that we so often see in our lives as we work our way through this journey called life. The psalmist even had this question when he wrote, what is man that thou art mindful of him? Basically, what David was trying to get across was simply this. Man is so much lower than the angels, so insufficient, so insecure. Why is your mind, God, so full of man? Why are you thinking of him constantly? Why have you thought of him from the time he was created till the time that he dies, knowing that we were born in sin and shapen in iniquity, knowing that we were nothing? Yet even in the middle of all of that, your mind is captivated by us because I believe God has a plan for us. We so often disregard the impact of sin in the human race when Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden and brought about so much destruction. And seldom do we truly articulate it the way that it probably really is because it's so difficult for us to comprehend that moment of sin as it entered into the human race. Beyond the fact that the Bible tells us in Romans that the wages of sin brings death, but that someone who is a sinner, that someone who is far from God will not be allowed into the kingdom unless they repent. We have to understand, young people, that the impact of sin on us uh, in our life is greater than we think it is at times. Allow me just a moment to bring to your attention two dimensions that I see of sin because I think it needs to be talked about before we go too far into our time together tonight. First of all, sin, it causes us all to insert ourselves into the center of our worlds, making life all about us. 
It's all about me. It's about self-focus. We are all too motivated if we want to be truthful by our wants and our needs and our feelings. And because we are, we tend to be more aware of what we don't have than of the many wonderful blessings that we have been given. We go through our Instagram feed and we see everybody's got a bright new shiny car and everyone's wearing a new dress and everybody's got a new cowboy hat and everybody's got this or that. And so we start comparing ourselves because we are so self-focused and because we are so insecure. But there is more because of those issues in our heart. We tend to become scorekeepers. Constantly comparing piles of stuff to other people's piles of stuff. It's a life of of disappointment and envy if you spend your life in that way. Envy is always, begins always with selfishness. But there's a second thing of equal significance that sin does to us. Causes us to look horizontally for what can only be found vertically. So many young people think they can find what they need in their life by their position or their money or their toys or their stuff or their popularity or their likes on social media. That's the horizontal plane of life. If I can get this, if I can date them, if I can go here, if I can buy this, if I can be seen in this light, hear me. Life is much, much more than that. What this world offers, uh, it's good for a while, but it will not satisfy. In the overarching grand scheme of things, uh, the Bible tells us only what we do for Christ will last. Uh, I'm here to tell some students tonight, only what you invest your life in on an eternal scale truly matters. Uh, Only what you tend uh, to spend your time uh, when you come to the church uh, and you begin to worship uh, and you begin to praise. That's what truly matters. We see an approach to life and living when we examine this man by the name of Abraham. We know him as the father of the faithful. The man through whom the entire nation of Israel was birthed. A man who the Bible tells us believed God and it was counted unto him for righteousness. A man that is often named throughout the word of God. Often we talk about him. We preach about him. We see him referenced as one of the three men that God chose to attach himself to. When he said, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He was a man of faith that has inspired countless sermons uh, and songs and books and studies. But when we first encounter him, he's known simply as Abram, which means exalted father. The son of a man by the name of Terah from the Ur of the Chaldees. Genesis 11, from whence we read our text, at first appearances seems to be nothing but an endless list of these genealogies of names that are hard to, to, to even pronounce. But there is some vital information in the beginning of our time together that I want to examine before we go too much farther. There is a lot of speculation concerning the call of Abraham. Many biblical scholars allude to the possibility that God first called his father Terah. He called him before he called Abram. But Abram's father, for whatever reason, stopped in the middle of the journey, stopped in Haran. And the scripture tells us he died there. 
Some mentioned that Genesis 12 opens with a past tense conversation. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show you. He had spoken to Abraham before, and Abraham may have not followed through, stopping in Haran, possibly because his father got sick. And then once he died, he then moved on. Whatever our assumption may be does not really matter as much as the fact that God called this man named Abram. Up to this point, you'll find in Scripture that God had dealt with humanity based uh, as a collective group, but now he calls a single individual to leave everything that was familiar to him and to go not knowing whither he went. This act of going, uh, this act of leaving uh, a place of familiarity, uh, it speaks to me and it's something that we've got to talk about. The call of God upon Abraham's life caused him to act. It caused him to pick everything up and leave. This call resulted in Abraham leaving everything that was familiar to him. Everything that was comfortable. And as a result of Abraham following the direction of God, God promised this man some things. He said, Abraham, I'm going to give you a land. I'm going to give you a great name. I'm going to make you a great nation. And you are going to be a blessing that are going to that is going to affect people long into the future i believe tonight just by the sheer fact that you and i are here that the blessings of abraham have been given to this generation i believe with every fiber of my being i'm walking in the faith of abraham i'm living in the blessings of abraham because one man decided to follow the call but nothing would have happened until he decided to follow that call. Just a few verses earlier, we are introduced to men that desired to make a name for themselves and they failed. We know it as the Tower of Babel. But now, we are introduced to a man that God calls, that responds and God tells him, I'm going to give you a land because of your faith. I will make your name great. Your seed will become a great nation. You will be a blessing to the entire world. One man, one call. One man going about with the plans of his life. Here's a word from God like we just sang about. And he goes. I felt so burdened today to talk about this call to this generation that is in this house tonight. I was born and raised in Pentecost. All I've known is preaching, praising, prophesying, and peanut brittle. If some of y'all don't know what peanut brittle is, God bless you, you are most highly favored of the Lord. I was forced to eat peanut brittle so much, my arm fell off. I can't stand the stuff. I don't like peanut brittle. I don't like the way it smells. I don't like the way it looks in those cellophane wrappers. I hate it. I can't stand it. It's of the devil. I don't want it. But all I've known, all I've known is cutting my teeth on Pentecostal pews. I remember as a child 
being in an atmosphere where the presence of God would begin to move. And I would watch my mother and father respond. I didn't fully understand it, but it captivated my attention. I have to go even farther back. I'm third generation Pentecost. My grandfather, Father Sid Sargent, you may know him, Brother Scott. Sid Sargent heard the call of God in his 20s. He was a rebel. He was far from God. He had never been to a Pentecostal church, but he went one night and it changed his life and he accepted the call. I'm here to talk to some young people tonight. Not about how fancy we can make everything look. I'm not interested in how talented or how well you sing. I want to know what you're going to do about the call that God is bringing into this generation. Hear me, hear me, hear me. The call of God will mark you. The call of God will select you. The call of God will pull you. But before I could dive too deep into this call, I got to just tell you what the call of God actually looks like. We talk about it, oh, the call of God, oh, the call of God. Well, let's dissect it tonight. Let's look at it. Let's really just zero in on it here for a minute. There's some of you that are here tonight. You're not here by accident on this Friday night. God's calling you. Now, he may be calling you to a place of repentance, but he's calling you. You've come into this house desperate for God to do something in your life, and over and over again, Jesus reiterated that he was called to, to bring sinners to repentance. I believe that the first call on any human being is the call to repent. Somebody say amen. amen. To get right with God. Don't get quiet on me. Give him your heart. That's the first call. Let him take your sins and wash them away in the sea of his blood that he spilled for you. I would be remiss not to mention that God is still calling people to repentance in this generation. He is still saying, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He is still calling, cast your cares upon me because I care for you. He's still calling someone to quit trying trying to figure life out on your own and just surrender. I just got to preach on this for a moment. Young people, this is not an hour to act all cute and just go through the motions. This is an hour to give everything you've got. Not holding anything back. Not waiting on anybody in your family. Not waiting on anybody in your school. But to give God your everything. Hear me. This call will change you. It will transform you. It will take your life and send you places you never thought you would go. It'll give you a purpose. Uh, this call will forever mark you. But even beyond the initial call to salvation, I believe this with everything within me. There is a call that is being broadcasted to this generation. It's going out to every child, every young person, every young adult, every hyphen, even every mother, every father, even every grandparent. It's a call that demands an answer. 
just like we see with Abraham. It's a call to separate yourself from the mundane routine of existing and follow hard after God. Moses felt that call early in his life. Uh, his mother instilled it in him. She had him for just a few short years. Uh, but Brother Scott, I believe every day, she said, Moses, uh, God saved you out of the Nile for a reason. Uh, I'm so thankful uh, Pharaoh's daughter found you because there's something you're going to deliver us. Uh, you're going to be the one God uses. Uh, he heard it when he went to bed. He heard it when he got up in the morning. Uh, that's why he told the children of Israel, you talk about it when you rise up. Uh, you talk about it when you get around a table. You talk about it when you go to bed. Why? Because the call will totally transform your life into somebody uh, that can make a difference. Uh, to somebody uh, that can do something great for God. Baby Moses, don't you forget who you are. Don't you forget who God called you to be. Hebrews tells us by faith, Moses, when he was come to years, that means when he matured, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ's greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect under the recompense of the reward. By faith, he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Something got into the spirit of Moses that caused him to leave everything familiar and follow this call. And although at first he acted on his own by murdering an Egyptian, the call was on him. And one day, in the routine duty of tending to his father-in-law's sheep, he heard the call. And the Bible says when he heard it, he turned aside to see. He saw a bush that was being burned, uh, but not consumed. It was on fire, but it wasn't being consumed. And the Bible says he turned aside to see my prayer all day has been, God, uh, let something burst into flames tonight that will cause a young man, uh, that will cause a young woman uh, to turn aside uh, and say, I got to check this out. I got to look at this call. I got to do something with my life. Here's the deal. This call disrupted 40 years of living under the guilt and shame of what he had done. 40 years spent in the wilderness walking the same hillsides, breathing the dust of the sheep that he tended to in that forsaken place. But the call came, and with it came a dynamic change in the life of Moses. I could go on and on and on describing the unique element of what it means to be called of God by giving you example after example of those in God's word. But this generation, you young people sitting here tonight, you hyphen that are in this house tonight, I believe you are the generation that will see the coming of the Lord. I believe that, Elder. I do believe that Jesus is coming soon. The signs, I'm not here to give a prophecy crusade. I'm not here to preach about the end time. I, I'm post-chip. I pray after I eat chips. Some of y'all didn't get that. Never mind. 
But I am here to tell you, we have to be about our Father's business. We must be working while it's yet day because the night is coming when no man can work. I have preached enough youth-centered events to recognize when God is dealing with someone to follow after a call and those that are sitting in the same pew that are not interested in following after God and are more content to stay on the shallow shores of safety. I believe God allows moments like this, uh, moments where those that are content to stay in the place they are to remain there, amen, to allow those that are around them uh, to kind of rise up and push up out of the common, amen, because they feel the grip of destiny upon their spirit. It's hard for me to explain what I'm trying to articulate the way that I want to, but there are those that are very comfortable tonight with common things. You're more interested in the call of the world than you are in the call of God. Yet I believe the majority of us that are here tonight, amen, are here, and there's something beating in your chest. You can't sleep at night. you wake up in the morning you don't know what it is but it's the call it's God saying I put my hand on you ma'am I put my hand on you young lady I put my hand on you young man why because you're going to do something great you're going to change your world you're going to see a revival I remember feeling the call of God on my life at a young age. I pushed it aside for a few years, afraid and uncertain of what it might cost me. My parents had pastored a church somewhere, somewhere else for a few years. And can I say this, Pastor Bland? There were some mean people in that church. And I was like, I don't want nothing to do with that. I don't want to be treated like that. I'm just being honest. Little small country church. So I started my teenage years down a different path. I was going to do some other things. I was going to join the Olympic swim team until I realized if I swim, I swim in circles. but I couldn't escape the call. My junior year of high school, at a camp meeting that summer, going into my senior year, just finished my junior year, going into my senior year, McCall, Idaho was our campground. It was way out the sticks. We didn't even have proper flooring. We had sawdust for floors. When you got to shouting, it was not a Shekinah cloud. It was the dust from the sawdust. And when you started sneezing, you weren't devil possessed. You were just choked up because of the sawdust. But something got a hold of me one night. 
I remember sitting there. I had made plans. I was going to go to Juilliard School of Music. I was going to go do some things on my own, things that I thought I wanted to do. And I remember, I never will forget. I can't tell you it was an audible voice, but I heard something. And I heard God speak these words. I'm calling you tonight, Darren. I'm calling you tonight. I'm calling you tonight. I can't even remember what the preacher was preaching because it was like thunder in my ears and my heart was beating so hard in my chest. And I'm like, God, what does this mean? And I remember going down to an altar and there I stayed for three to four hours rolling around in the sawdust lost in God because I had heard a call. I could take you to the spot. I preached there just a few years ago. I can take you to the spot where I surrendered to the call and I'm here tonight in the middle of May March to preach to some young people that call is still real and that call is still going out and that call is still resting on some of you young people in this house tonight and it's time to forget everything else and to surrender surrender to the call God is in the business of calling. I've said this three times already. I'm saying it again. It will mark you. You're not handed a call. Someone doesn't just come up and say, hey, you're called to God. Calls of God are not given out like candy at a birthday party. It's not something that's just handed to you because you think you have enough talent or you are this person or that or you're more deserving. But I want to tell you, the pressure may be immense and the critical nature of others may be intense. But the call, the call overshadows all of that. Some of those that are here in this place tonight, I feel felt it in the Holy Ghost. And I feel it so strong here tonight that God is calling you to be more than just somebody who attends a church. And there's nothing wrong with coming to the house of God and raising your family but there is something unique happening in the realm of the spirit in these last days we are called not only to be saints not only to follow God but we are called amen to step into a place where the Bible says many are called but few are chosen those chosen are those that I've come to preach to tonight those that choose to live at another level those that have an expectation of God that is different than just a casual observance. Uh, this call will change you. This call will mark you. Uh, it will pull at you. Uh, it will cause you to go to prayer. Uh, it will call you out of the murky waters of the familiar and push you into a place of destiny. Uh, and the call doesn't let up. Uh, the call will never stop. Uh, the gifts and the callings of God are without repentance. Uh, there is always going to be uh, a call. Uh, I don't care how far you run. Uh, I don't care what you try to do. I don't care if you walk out of the church. That call will haunt you. That call will reach for you. That call will follow you. That call. That call. Joshua spent time with Moses. 
One day Moses went out to the tent of meeting, place where the glory of God would come down. The Bible says that God would speak with Moses as a friend speaks to a friend face to face. Joshua's there. Joshua's listening. Joshua's watching Moses as he interacts with God. And the Bible says Moses gets up to leave, but Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, stayed in the presence of the Lord. We are so quick to leave a service. Five-minute tongue talking, and we think we've done enough. But where are the young people of this generation that say, I can't, I can't leave yet. There's something here that's changing me. There's something here that's different. Amen. Joshua stayed in the presence of the Lord. So I ask tonight, where are those that know beyond a shadow of a doubt that God has something different for your life? You may not know what it is, but you're feeling it. God is still calling young men and young women like he called Abraham and like he called Moses and like he called Joshua. He's looking for someone that will come out from among them and be separate. Someone who is uncomfortable staying in the earth of the Chaldees. Stand with me tonight. Listen to me. Hear me, young people. Please hear me. God not only sent Abraham, he equipped Abraham. In verse 2, God explains, I will make you. Abram was not self-made. God, Brother Spencer, God made Abraham what he was. We're never going to reach our generation just being good people. There has to be those in this house tonight that are called. The call may not be to pulpit ministry. The call may not even be to a mission field overseas. It may be to start a missional business that meets the needs of people in your community. Amen. It may call you to stand on the front lines of social issues and declare the gospel. It may call you to the pulpit. It may call you to Ecuador. It may call you to the far corners of the earth but if it does don't you dare fear don't you dare give up don't you dare get concerned because if God calls you God will equip you and if God equips you and sends you you will make a difference allow me to make A quick observation was something I discovered this morning. It's found in Mark 4. It's the account of Jesus instructing his disciples to get on the ship. We've heard it. Go to the other side. Listen to this account for just a moment. And the same day, when the even was come, he said unto them, let us pass over unto the other side. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship. And there were also with him other little ships. Two observations. Number one, this other side that the scripture speaks about. That's where I want to go. That gets me. I'm 52. I know I look 29. 
but I'm 52 years of age. And this call has caused me more times than I care to count to leave the comfort of shores that were comfortable and everyone was content because I was looking unto him. I was looking for a city whose builder and maker was God. There's times uh, I could have settled uh, for something a lot easier, but this other side, uh, something more, uh, something out there, uh, something on the horizon uh, that I had not yet possessed. Uh, I wanted it uh, because I knew God was working on the other side. Secondly, there were also with him other little ships. This is important for us to get. I've often wondered if there was a temptation for the disciples to jump ship when they felt like the one they were in was sinking. The Bible says there were other little ships alongside their boat, but it seems that those ships may have not made it to the other side. They left, left the dock, and a little ship was like saying, as long as the weather's good, I'm going to go out into the deep and cross over. It seems that there are always little ships close by. There are always young people that, when it gets rough, are not going to make the journey. There are always going to be friends that you are friends with tonight that may you may not be friends with in a year or two because they went one way, but you're going onward. Little ships don't make it through harsh storms uh, but they also don't see the revival on the other side Uh, some see the difficulty amen of following the call but I see the opportunity uh, to change your world Uh, some see the difficulty of becoming someone that God's hand is upon but I see the possibilities uh, of what you could do uh, and the nations you could reach uh, and the messages you could preach uh, and the prayers that you could pray and the songs that you're going to sing and the songs you're going to write that are going to change your generation. Oh, there's a call. There's a call. There's a call. Many are called. Few are chosen. What's it going to be? Young lady, can you hear the call? I said it the other night, I'll say it again. Your, your generation's the most talented generation I've ever, ever laid my eyes on. I've never seen such talent. Your intellect, your ability to maneuver in and out of situations. Your, your technological uh, prowess is unbelievable. The things that you can do listening to you sing, watching you in these altars. I'm amazed by this generation. But this generation, God selected for this moment because he knows you have what it takes to reach your world. But you're not going to do it without a call. You're not going to do it without something being stamped on the soul and the spirit. Amen. Of your innermost being that says come hell or high water I know in whom I have believed and I'm going to go I'm going to call, I'm going to follow the call I'm going to go to the other side this hour may be intense the church may be under attack the coming of the Lord may be soon but it's time to see miracles signs and wonders it's time for this generation to lay hands on the sick and see them recover it's time for you to start P7 
heavens and CMI clubs and Bible studies. Young people, I'm preaching to you out of my heart. This may be my last chance in this generation, but I feel it in the bottom of my heart. It's time to follow the call. Lift your voice and lift your hands. The Holy Ghost is in this house. Come on, somebody. Just start responding to the call. Just start responding to the call. Young lady, I'm calling for you. Young man, I'm pleading with you. Come on. It's time to follow after the call of God. You can't change your world. Come on, youth groups. Come on, youth groups. Get the